praying, Lord Jesus, to represent you at all, to be your ambassadors, to be your people, is beyond our imagining in terms of greatness. As a family, we apologize to you for the times that we've let you down. Ask forgiveness, cleansing through the mighty, powerful name of our Savior, Jesus, and the filling of your Holy Spirit to grow us up into Him who is Christ so we can be the hope of the world. We pray it in your precious name. Amen. Thanks. Be seated. So, people have always been fascinated and drawn to other people who stand out, who live differently than they do. And I was thinking a good example yesterday. I just asked Angie a couple of days ago, when's the next James Bond movie comes out? Because we love James Bond. You talk about it, somebody who stands out. I mean, we've seen all of his movies. I mean, he's got this, uh, always has a nasty villain and, and these um, unimaginable weaponry and gadgets and fast car and fast women, but it never seems to phase this, this uh, secret agent who just, at my last count, has saved the world 26 times and didn't even get his hair messed up. I mean, a guy stands out, but you know, when you think about it, he doesn't stand out for the Lord. And if you don't stand out for the Lord, not much hope in that, is it? Anyway, I was thinking about somebody from the Old Testament yesterday, too. How about Samson? You talk about somebody who stood out. Here's a young, courageous, cocky, incorrigible ladies man who had a knack and a nose for trouble and narrow escapes. He had more girlfriends than Andy Moore has cars, and he has a lot of cars at that price in stock. But anyway, Mark Atterbury was saying if Samson was alive today, he would be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He would probably be a Navy SEAL, ex-Navy SEAL. He'd be a, a, a super athlete. And I agree with that, but God would still be disappointed in him because he was a standout guy, but he didn't stand out for the Lord. And when you don't stand out for the Lord, you're not given much hope. On the other hand, Jesus made it pretty clear that a committed Christian should stand out in a crowd, especially in the world we're living in today. And that's when he said, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. You go let your light shine before men so they'll see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. Now, family, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm pretty sure you probably do. But our world is in desperate need of some hope, man. People are discouraged. That's why there's so much division, so much hate. That's why our kids, uh, our kids are hopeless. They need some hope. Well, guess what, church family? You're it. You are in Christ, you're the hope of the world. It's a fascinating concept. And of course, obviously, there are some credentials that mark us as hope givers and committed Christians. And Paul's going to deal with a few of those in the text we're going to look at this morning. Now, Paul didn't brag very often, but sometimes he had to give his credentials to prove his Christian leadership. He didn't like it. It felt like boasting to him. It didn't seem too Christ-like. So he didn't do it very often, but he does it in this text. Our text, by the way, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to be in the whole chapter. So you can pull that up on your phone if you want to, and, and you can trick me into thinking you're looking at it. Or uh, you can pull a blue Bible out in front of you. That's, they're there for you to take, by the way, if you need a Bible, and follow along or read if you want to. Paul's going to do some bragging, but it's not to exalt himself. It's to help these weak Christians that are being led astray uh, in Corinth. A, a couple was kind of, they were kind of going at it uh, one evening. And the wife said to the husband, she said, well, just answer me this. Which one of us are the fool in this relationship? He thought for a minute and he said, well, honey, everybody knows you're smart enough not to marry a fool. 
You work through that a minute. But anyway, um, Proverbs 26, verse 5 reads like this. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. In other words, sometimes you've got to debate people on a shallow level because that's where they're at. And that's what Paul says here in verse 16. He said, let, let one, no one take me for a fool. But if you do take me for a fool, then receive me as you would one and allow me to do a little boasting. Now, personally, I'm glad this text is in there because it gives us some characteristics, some credentials, if you would, uh, of a committed Christian and a hope giver. And we can look at that and see how our lives are measuring up. If you're a young Christian here this morning, these are some pretty good goals you should be striving after as you grow up in Christ. If you're here today and you've been a Christian a long time, then here's some proof of your faith. Either way, if you've decided in your heart to, to be a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ, I mean, I'm in this thing all out because I want to, through him, be the hope of the world then these credentials will help you move to the next level. Here's the first one. Paul was a man of integrity. I mean, he starts out by explaining how the false teachers have been lying to him. Look at verse 20. You even put up with anyone who exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself on you, slaps you in the face. They're enslaving you, he says. These false teachers were moving this, the Corinth church back into the Old Testament rules and regulations. And, and Paul couldn't believe they were falling for it. You, you know the old saying, if you don't stand for something... You'll fall for everything. Shallow people fall for everything because they don't stand for anything. And I'll tell you, shallow people will, will be motivated by a dogmatic speaker, somebody who speaks really powerful moves and you, you can move them into any direction you want to. And that's going on here. Listen, that's why some of the cults are so powerful today. They, they take advantage of spiritually ignorant people who aren't in the word reading and insecure and lonely. And, and these the church at Corinth was being moved by uh, Judaizers, the cult of Judaizers, back into this following the, the Jewish rules and regulations. And Paul says, you, you've tasted grace. How can you go in this direction? It's unbelievable that we're being fooled by this. And listen, this is still going on today. People being fooled by their leaders. I saw not too long ago, a TV evangelist was talking to his uh, audience, and he said that he had had a vision that God was going to actually use him to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then he said, here's what I need from you all. I need $25 from every one of you in here so I can get this thing done. Because i got to get this done in the name of Jesus. By the way, I take MasterCard, Visa, and Discover Card. He got thousands of dollars. The guy raked in the bucks. Jesus said in Mark 12, 38, watch out for false teachers of law. They devour widows' houses, and for a show, they make lengthy prayers. Now, sadly, there's a lot of religious people today that will do that, not just the widows, that anybody they can take advantage of. And you know why? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but you can make some big bucks in this profession. I mean, if you want to make money off of Jesus Christ, you can get her done. All you got to do is slick your hair back. You know, get, whiten your teeth. They make that stuff to make your teeth real bad. Smile and talk about positive things all the time. Make people happy. Never talk about the truth of the Scripture and make anybody squirm or anything like that. You can knock down some dollars. I, I looked up one last week. I want to tell you who it is. $90 million. Paul says they're taking advantage of you. And the Greek word he's talking about here is the word of a, of a fish being taken in by a real appealing bait appealing. I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but the psychic hotline is back. Maybe it never went away, but I hadn't seen it for a long time. But uh, I, I remember back in the late 90s, in the early turn, there was a spokesman on TV, Miss Cleo. Remember her? 
Yeah, do you know she died of cancer at age 53? You'd have thought they'd seen that coming. But anyway, um, I was doing some research last week because this thing is coming back, and uh, I, I, to see how much it cost, unbelievable. The guy was running a special that I saw that I looked up last week, $25 for 20 minutes. And that's a huge special because the going rate right now is dollar for the first minute and anywhere from $1 to $30 for every minute after that. $30 a minute. And they'll talk to you about uh, wonderful things that are going to happen to you in, in your business and in your health and in your relationships. Call us up. We want to talk to you, they say. I guess so. I'd like to talk to you too for 30 bucks a minute. And it's unbelievable the amount of money these people are spending to hear an astrologer predict their future. $2 billion last year they spent. Well, the first of Paul's credentials was this. He doesn't manipulate people like that. He says in verse 21, to my shame, I admit that we're too weak for that. Paul says, I'm going to be as honest with you as I can be. Family, one of the clearest characteristics of a committed Christian who's bringing hope to the world is integrity. And if you have integrity, you're going to stand out in a crowd today, I promise you. And you're going to bring hope because people are hoping today that they can trust you. They're hoping you're telling the truth. They're hoping you're a real person. They're hoping you're not a fake. People need that today. We're living in a time in history where everybody is watching the decline of our morality in every area, in the home, in the, in, in the military, in their school systems, even in the church. It's everywhere you look. I saw this last week. Five years ago this month, the Indiana Court of Appeals made it illegal to buy, sell, or possess bath salts in the state of Indiana. It's illegal. You know why? Do you remember why? Because people were using that to sniff and snort and inject bath salts. Our world's gone crazy, man. Looking for a new drug every day. Looking for someplace to find hope. Someplace to get a release. They're trying everything they can. And listen, the polls out there right now show that over 80% think that if you're going to get ahead in this world, you have to cheat or lie once in a while. Robbie Zacharias talks about two brothers lived a scandalous life. I mean, their family was a mess. And one of the brothers died suddenly, and the other brother thought, we need to bring some religion into this funeral. So they asked a pastor of the local church if he would do the funeral. Well, the guy knew the family. He knew they were pretty nasty, but what are you going to do? So he said, yes. And the brother said, here's one thing I'm requesting, that you will call my brother a saint during the funeral. And this guy's thinking, well, I'll try, but I mean, how in the world are you going to pull that off? But he did. During the funeral, he said, this brother here, lying right here, was a liar and a cheat and a scoundrel. But compared to his brother sitting right there, he was a real saint. <laughs> the the point is, we get this crazy notion sometimes that we, we can get ahead if we twist the truth a little bit, if we just make everybody happy. But the mark of a committed Christian, somebody who's really bringing hope, is that we're different. We're people of integrity. Ephesians 4.25 reads, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. So the first test of whether or not you're bringing hope and you're a committed person is, that, are you honest? Do you say what you say you're going to do? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That means if you're standing up in front of a crowd at your wedding and you tell your wife or your husband, I'm going to be faithful to you until the day I die, then you do it. You be faithful. 
That means if you tell the car company or, or the, the loan company that you're going to make a payment on the 15th of every month, you make sure on the 15th of every month you make that payment. Christians ought to have the best credit rating in town. Actually, they should have no credit rating, but we'll talk about that another time. If you take a job and you say you're going to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning, you show up at 8 o'clock in the morning and you put in a full day's work for a full day's pay. If you tell the church you're going to volunteer for something and you can't make it, you get somebody else to do it. I mean, you follow me, you make a commitment, you stick by it. And if you don't, you're having trouble with the commitment. And Jesus says, if that's you, you need to fix it. Because he says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, if, I, if you're not faithful in little things, how in the world can I trust you with big things? I'm afraid sometimes if we're not careful, we start to grow up a little bit as Christians. We've been in leaders for a while. We've been in a church for a while. And we start thinking maybe we're exempt from the basics. I've been at this a long time. I've heard a lot of that language. So I can watch a movie. It has that. It won't bother me. I can read that. I've been around a long time. It's not going to affect me. You know, I can talk this way. To be, but, you know, I'm beyond that. Or we say things like, I've been doing this a long time. It's somebody else's turn to do this. I'm going to take a break, you know. Or actually, I actually heard this several years ago. Uh, what do you mean park in the gravel or park down there so that the, the, the single moms and the older people can have these tops? I, I got a job I do here on Sunday mornings. I've been working here a long time. I deserve that spot. I actually heard that. Veteran Christians, do you hear what Paul's saying? He's saying we're not the exception to the rules. We're the example of the rules. People are watching us. And now more than ever, you and I ought to be paying close attention to the details of Christian behavior. Not to be saved. Come on, man, we've already got that covered. So that we can be the hope of the world. So people are going to look at us and see the light that's shining out there. Those people are different. I want some of that. And I'm always telling an Aaron Michael a uh, nasty story because he gets into some messes. I'm going to tell a good story about Aaron Michael. Now, this happened a long time ago. In fact, um, Scott and Andrea were getting married. So we were down in Florida, and there were several from church that came down there. And we rented a couple of pontoon boats and went out to Crab Island. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but it's, it's over the bridge in Destin. You go out, and it's about, I don't know, you anchor the boat, and you're in about this deep of water, and you can get out and walk around. It's beautiful. And the tide's pushing you all the time. Well, Ashley wants a Coke, and when she wants a Coke, Aaron goes to get it. That's the way it goes. And so he, he walks about 150 yards to this floating restaurant, and he's fighting the tides coming in. He fights over there. Well, he gets there, and the gal says that'll be a dollar. And he doesn't have a dollar. All he has is a 10. I don't know where he came up with a 10 that year. I got a pretty good idea. But anyway, the gal, <laughs> the gal said, listen, uh, I just opened. I don't have any change. It's just a dollar. Take it. And Aaron said, I'll be back with a dollar. And she said, sure you will. But he did. Walked all the way over the boat, got a dollar, and walked all the way. She was surprised by that. Now, that's integrity. And I know you're saying, now, Cain, it's taking that a little far, don't you think? No, I don't. No, I don't. That's, that's shining your light. And I wish I could say I live like that all the time. I wish I could say he lived like that all the time. I had to go back eight years to find one. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> Matthew 20. I have, always have to dig you somehow. Matthew 25, 21. You've been faithful with a few things Jesus said. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that you and I become pious, stuffed short Christians and legalistic. I mean, we don't want to do that. But what I am saying is if we want to be somebody who is giving hope to the world, then we want to pay attention to the details of integrity and morality, especially today. I love the plaque that reads, Great occasions for serving God come seldom. 
but little ones surround us every day. Isn't that good? Paul said it like this, no matter what you do in word or deed, you do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. That's going to bring hope to the people around you. You pay attention to the truth and the details in little things. Here's number two, and these last two go real quick because I, I know I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Second one is sacrifice. That's a nasty word, isn't it? See, I'm not talking about doing something for the Lord. I'm talking about sacrificing something to do, for the, to do something for the Lord. Big difference. Big difference. You find one of our kids running around, and they've got a fresh bag of M&Ms. You're not going to have any trouble at all getting one or two. But that bag gets half empty, two-thirds empty, and you don't have to really push him for some. You know why? Sure you do. It's simple. Because when you got a lot, giving's no big deal. But when you don't have much, it changes everything. It's the same with us. You've got a lot of time on your hands. Giving an hour or two to the church once in a while is no big deal. But when you're busy running kids around and doing the swim meets and all those kinds of things, and you still have time to come in here every Sunday, you guys fascinate me. This praise team fascinates me. You still got time to help Jackie. You still got time to help Mark and to take the back, take care of the back and to come in here and do you're shining people. You're sacrificing. And that's what I'm talking about. People see that. That gives hope. When Paul, when he's proven his commitment to Christ, he, he didn't talk about stats. He talked about scars. Listen to what he says in verse 23. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely, exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger in rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. I've been in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the church. I read a list like that, and I think of the lame excuses I've made over the years about serving. I'm tired. I'm busy. Let somebody else have a turn. I'm ashamed of myself. Now you're saying, what are you telling us, Cain? If we don't give everything we got, and we don't push ourselves to the limit, and we don't give it all in, that we're not committed Christians, and we're not being lights of the world, I am not saying that at all. What I am saying is, if it doesn't cost you anything at all to serve, and it doesn't cost you anything at all to give, then that's not a sacrifice. And if it's not a sacrifice, what kind of gift is that? David said, I'll not give anything to the Lord. It didn't cost me something. Big difference. I had a friend of mine years ago, uh, years ago, he first got into the ministry. He wanted to be a traveling evangelist. He said he wanted to be like Paul, just go place to place. So he, he took a two-week uh, revival in Appalachia, Tennessee, and the host preacher said he should stay in a different home every night. He said it was a trip. He ate some of the funkiest things. He said the first night he stayed in the living room on a couch, no privacy, all these people. And he said the second week he stayed in a home with no plumbing. He told the guy before bed, he said, I got to go to the bathroom. The guy took him out on the porch with the flashlight, shined it down the pathway. He said, I walked and walked and walked. And he finally said, anywhere along there be all right. <laughs> he took a church, been there over 30 years. He said, I guess I'm soft. I guess we all are. I mean, let's be honest. Paul's kind of sacrifice is kind of foreign to us. We're, we're not used to sacrificing much, you know, except for our stuff. 
But I'm telling you the mark of a committed Christian, the mark of a hope giver, is somebody who gives something up for the sake of Jesus Christ in his kingdom, in his church. And it goes on all the time. You'll hear about uh, a businessman who um, won't take the deal because it's under the table or a Christian athlete who won't take the deal selling beer because he don't want to entice young people to drink or a, a Christian actor who won't take or an actress who won't take a part because it's too lewd or racy. People are, are doing it all the time. Years ago at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville when they built that new big building, they asked the whole church to bring nice things home from, for auction. You know, normally you have a church auction, you bring your junk in, the stuff you don't use anymore. South, Southeast said, bring nice things. And it was so incredible that the news people showed up, reporters. Anyway, one guy rode up on a brand new motorcycle, parked it, took his helmet off, left the keys in it, walked away. And a reporter stopped this guy and said, what are you doing, man? That's a brand new bike. And he said, this is the most precious, non-essential item that I own. They asked me to sacrifice. I've never done that before. This is awesome. He said, I just want to demonstrate to everybody that Jesus Christ and his church mean more to me than anything. Wow. I'm asking you, do you feel the same way? Don't key on the bike. That's not what I'm, if you key on the motorcycle, you're missing the whole point. I'm talking about the demonstration. Are you willing to demonstrate to everybody around you that Jesus Christ and his church mean more to you than anything else? Because if you are, you're a hope giver. And you're shining your light, just like he asked for. If you have... You know, it could be Jesus is maybe Jesus will never ask you for money or stuff. Maybe he'll want time from you. If that's the case, and you talk to my sister or Jake, we've got all kinds of stuff for you to do. Or maybe, you know, you we're all big sports fans, and some of you guys are all wrapped up in it. I mean, I get that. I understand that. But let's say we got a big church event here and a big sport event here, and you choose the church event this time. That's a sacrifice, man. I know it is. Let's say you've got family coming in from town and you're going out to eat. You've got this big thing planned today and you find out that somebody's going to be baptized today. And so instead of leaving after the first song, you stay for all three of them in communion so you can support this brother or this sister in the Lord. See, that's a sacrifice. When you give your talent for Jesus Christ, when you give your time to witness, when you give your efforts to Him. Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You sacrifice for Jesus Christ, you're going to have a full life. And you're going to shine like nobody's business. And you're going to bring hope because it's not going on anywhere else. And then one last one. Paul says his commitment was this deep combining concern for the church. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the church. And I get this one. I get this one. Uh, There's been no greater joy in my life than doing this preaching thing full-time. It's been absolutely amazing. I love everything about it except possibly doing funerals. But it's got some pressure with it. When I tell you people I love you and I'm loving on you, I mean it. When I tell you I pray for you every hour, I just told Casey I pray for her every hour. She's on my prayer list. The church gets prayed for, this church, every hour that I'm awake. And, and when somebody falls away, it kills me. I'm trying to figure out what we did wrong, what we could have done to change things. When, when a marriage breaks apart and we can't fix it, I lose sleep over that. 
when people leave and go to another church. I think, what in the world's going on? Ask Angie. I drive her crazy. Deep concern for the church. Paul had that time several. You're worried about this church fighting and these two ladies getting out and over there and the division in this church and these people are wandering from the truth. I know. I get that. I pray for this church constantly. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to do to do what's next. We've got some amazing possibilities coming forward in this church. Just trust me when I tell you that. I'm praying that we get out of the way and do exactly what God wants us to do, whether it's our agenda or not. I pray for your kids. I pray for your grandkids. And I'm telling you, when the world sees that, it brings hope. When the world sees some of the small groups, the way you guys take care of each other, when we love on each other, when, when somebody dies and we take care of them like you guys did me when my mom passed away, the world sees that. When we come up here on Sunday morning around this altar and lay hands on each other, I just talked to an elder in another church last week that says he misses that about South Union. We pray over each other. And that gives hope to the world. And our hope starts right here. Every week. He is the hope of the world. His broken body and his shed blood. You're it. There's no other place for the world to go than Jesus Christ. And he's using you to bring him to the world. It's an amazing thing. So you walk with integrity. You give some sacrifice. Some of you, man, you're already doing it. And you'd be concerned for each other in the church. Come spend some time with our Lord.